welcome to News in Focus with your host, Chris Long, president of the Ohio Christian Alliance. Stay tuned for an analysis and conversation about the issues that matter most to you and your family. Here now with this week's edition of News in Focus is Chris Long. And good afternoon and welcome to this edition of News in Focus. We're glad that you've joined us. We have an election special, and we're going to be joined by Rick Santorum, former senator of Pennsylvania, former presidential candidate both in 2012 and 2016 in the primary, a political analyst and someone who knows the state of Pennsylvania very well. And of course, Pennsylvania is one of those battleground states we're watching as the November uh, third election is coming up quickly on Tuesday. Six days left until the November 3rd presidential election. You're listening to News in Focus, a broadcast of the Ohio Christian Alliance. You can also visit our website for educational material. Our voter guide is posted there. The Ohio Christian Alliance voter guide, it's comprehensive. It covers the presidential, congressional, Ohio House, Ohio Senate. It also covers... Uh, uh, some other information as well, ivoterguides.com uh, link is there. We are partnered with them. That's a group out of Texas, but they're national, and they have some additional information on the election, on the down-ballot races in Ohio, including state school board. And you're going to want to visit our website. Again, that's ohioca.org, or just Google Ohio Christian Alliance. Also, those of you listening outside the state of Ohio, you can go to our national website. That's caamerica.org. Again, that's caamerica.org, or just Christian Alliance of America. We also have a presidential uh, voter guide there for our national website as well. And for the first time, the Christian Alliance of America has uh, produced a printed voter guide that's distributed in other states, as well as the Ohio Christian Alliance voter guide that we've done over the years. Rick Santorum will be joining us in a few minutes, but we want to talk to you a few minutes about this election. There is battleground states, and Ohio pretty much is looking like it's tending towards President Trump for his bid for re-election. Uh, Ohio, of course, uh, was won handedly by the president in 2016, and it seems to be trending that way again. In fact, some of the radio ads are not playing here. That's why you're not seeing a lot of commercials or radio ads uh, for the presidential campaigns in Ohio because uh, they're focused in other states like North Carolina, Pennsylvania, uh, Michigan, Wisconsin, Arizona. Other states are on the table as both political campaigns of the Democrat Joe Biden and uh, the Republican President Donald Trump look to head off on November 3rd. It is estimated that 70 million Americans have already voted in this election and uh, lots of early voting here in Ohio. But again, many of you, including myself and my wife, will be voting on Tuesday. And of course, that is Election Day. Many are saying that we won't know who will be elected on election night. I'm not so sure that's the case, as uh, there is, uh, there's been a lot of uh, talk back and forth about uh, early voting or mail-in voting, and of course the mail is slow. And if you do still have an application for absentee ballot, one of the things that we ask that you do is to bring it to the Board of Elections. They have a drop-off box there and personnel during business hours that you can drop off your ballot to them. And especially at this late date, if you have an absentee ballot, you want to fill it out and you want to drive it into the Board of Elections as the U.S. Postal Service has been extremely slow. There are pieces of mail that have been... Um 
taking upwards of seven to nine days to get back to the uh, location of where you're, you're mailing it. So if you're mailing it into the Board of Elections uh, at this late date, you may indeed just want to drive it to the Board of Elections uh, and fill it out if you want your vote to count. Now, ideally, if it's postmarked before uh, November 3rd, it should count. But the fact is, is that the mail is just taking so slow and the processing centers now in Ohio have been rearranged. And so uh, there, there used to be several processing centers in Ohio, uh, in Akron and in Mansfield and other places. But unfortunately, that's not been the case. And so we're seeing uh, mail processing taking place in Pennsylvania and also taking place uh, in uh, Michigan. So Ohio mail is being sent elsewhere, and that's a real problem. Well, again, as we look to uh, this uh, election and as we think about what actually is occurring, uh, there's lots on the table. And what you want to do is visit our website again at ohioca.org. That's Ohio Christian Alliance website, ohioca.org, to learn more as the voter guide is there for your review. And you want to get educated on the issues and candidates before you go to the polls on November 3rd. But with us on the phone right now is Rick Santorum, and uh, we appreciate him uh, calling in this afternoon. Good afternoon, Rick. Hello, Chris. How are you? Good. In fact, uh, so again, you know, former U.S. Senator, former candidate for president in 2012 and 2016, and a political analyst. So uh, what have you been doing these days? Uh, well, I'm involved with a lot of different projects. Uh, you know, I'm working uh, on, on the political side. I've been uh, working on, on some of the pro-life and pro-family issues. Uh, in particular, I was actually was in Ohio uh, last year uh, talking about paid family leave and, and how we need to, uh, to better help uh, our, our families uh, who are starting to, uh, uh, you know, to take care of children and be home, moms and dads, and be home for that very important formative time of life. So I've been very engaged in that. But also very heavily engaged with our our, uh, our group Patriot Voices and trying to save Christianity in Syria and, and Iraq. Uh, our our executive director Nadine Mayenza of Patriot Voices is on the uh, International Religious Liberty Commission, and she's actually in Northeast Syria right now. Uh, you know, working with leaders to uh, to see what we can do to to protect uh, Christians in that area. So I, I'm I'm engaged on the policy side, and and obviously uh, you those of you who occasionally spin through the dial and watch CNN might see me occasionally on CNN so that's that's how I'm staying active on the on the political front. Well, that's right. We we were just talking about the battleground states as we headed head into this final stretch with just 6 days left before the election um and so when we look at Ohio, you know, normally Ohio is a battleground state, but it really is leaning towards the president. The president won it handily in 2016. That seems to be a case again here in 2020. But all eyes are on Pennsylvania, uh, North Carolina, uh, also um, uh, Wisconsin and Michigan and Arizona. Let's talk about Pennsylvania for a minute. Um, you know, obviously, you know, you wrote a book called Blue Collar Conservatives, and you know President Trump, and when he was candidate Trump, he really seized on what you wrote about in that book, talking about the working 
everyday person and the, the values really aligned with uh, Republican beliefs. And you talked about that was an important um, group of people. Uh, it seemed like Mr. Trump actually seized on what you wrote about and actually campaigned on and the wave that you wrote in 2012 uh, and really almost became the nominee. You were the runner up behind Mr. Romney. He even said that if, if you had won Ohio, uh, that would have been it for him. Uh, you would have been the nominee that year. So you came ever so close. But uh, Mr. Trump really seized on what you wrote about, Rick. And so what we look in Pennsylvania, we can see that, that there's strong support for the president. But then there's always the worry about uh, the urban center of Philadelphia and what might happen over there. How do you see Pennsylvania playing out right now? Yeah, I think it's it's razor tight. I You know, I always say that Pennsylvania, you know, is anywhere from five to eight points behind Ohio in Republican votes. So, you know, if if uh, if Trump's going to win Ohio by five, it's going to be razor edge in Pennsylvania. And uh, and so I I I agree that Trump has done a great job in uh, in appealing to uh, blue collar workers uh Candidly, of, of all races, I think that's one of the things that's being underestimated in, in this race. I think the fact that he's out there for the working men and women on the issue of, of, of manufacturing and immigration and trade, uh, those are issues that are hitting home to a lot of people. And, and candidly, the, finally, the lockdown. I, look, I think a lot of people are looking at Joe Biden and saying, you know, I'm going to be out of work again if Joe Biden comes into office. I mean, I you know, I'm 25 or 30 or 40 years of age. The chances of me having a serious illness and uh, for, with with contacting COVID are like less than less than a half of one percent, uh, and and so why 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 are you thinking about jeopardizing me and my family and my ability to provide for myself or my kids being able to go to school? I think those things that are that again blue collar people aren't like gig workers. They're not like federal employees. They're not like union members who are going to get paid. Whether whether you whether you go to work or not, these people shutdowns affect them. They don't affect Wall Street. They don't affect uh, you know the, the the tech people who can work from home. They affect and those are the Democratic voters increasingly. They affect working men and women who are out there on the front line right now and need to keep their jobs. So I think the president's got a, a pretty strong message that uh, that that is relating to uh, to people in our state. And then finally, fracking. You know this from eastern Ohio, western Pennsylvania, northeastern Pennsylvania. These are this is the the lifeblood that has returned to western Pennsylvania and and northeastern Pennsylvania, which were the economically more depressed areas of our state, are now booming because of this. And uh, you know those are the areas he's going to do very very well, thanks to Joe Biden's uh, misstep in telling the truth during the debate. Now, those are great points you bring up. Uh, when we look at fracking and, of course, the oil and gas industry, which has been a boom for Western PA and Eastern Ohio, uh, with the uh, uh, you know being able to frack over the last ten years and actually helping Ohio, uh, Ohio and America to become energy independent. During the Obama administration, it was the war on coal, and unfortunately, yeah. we just lost one of our good friends, Mr. Bob Murray, passed away this weekend. Yeah. And of yeah, course, of course, Murray Energy. Um, 
A good man. He's been on this program numerous times with Jim Martin of the 60-plus Association Mm -hmm. and Congressman Bill Johnson. We had roundtable discussions about the coal industry because of those men and women in Ohio, Pennsylvania, Kentucky, and West Virginia who work in the coal mines. And so where we saw the Democratic leftists uh, with a war on coal, now it looks like it's going to be the war on fossil fuels. Oil and gas is next on the agenda if they get elected uh, next Tuesday because that's what they're basically saying. I'll do away with fracking. And here's the thing with Joe Biden. This guy's been all over the map. I mean, Rick, we've never had where we've, you know, we've been doing this for a long time at the Ohio Christian Alliance where we do the voter guide and we survey candidates. I've never seen on a debate stage a candidate change his position uh, during a debate as he did with uh, the new Green Deal. He says, oh, I'm not for that. I'm for the Joe Biden plan. I'm like, wait a second. We got to change the voter guide now. I mean, what's your thoughts on that? No, I think Trump pointed it out. You know, the principal reason America has seen its uh, CO2 uh, emissions reduced, be, being reduced dramatically, I mean, very dramatically, under, uh, under the latter part of the Obama administration and under the Trump administration, even more so, is because of natural gas, and, uh, which, which is fracking. I mean, which, which comes from, you know, the eastern Ohio, western Pennsylvania, northeastern Pennsylvania. The, the reality is, that fracking is actually doing a job of of lowering our emissions, and and yet Biden doesn't want to look at the science. He he's the, the, they are not the idea that Democrats are for science and Republicans are not is ridiculous. All you have to do is look at look at the, the abortion issue. If you, if anybody says they're for science, you you get this. Oh, you Republicans aren't for science. Then ask them when 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 does a human life begin? The science is very clear. It begins at conception. There's no doubt, no, but no textbook ever says that, that life doesn't begin at conception. That's, that's exactly when life begins. They ignore the science, and they're ignoring the science here, too. The science says that fracking has actually reduced the amount of carbon emissions that we have in our, in our country, yet they're still going out and trying to kill it. Why? Because they are ideologues who want to control your life. All they care about is, is more levers of government control to take your freedom away and to control what you do. And that's, that's the, really the big issue in this election is, are we going to be a society that, that still believes in individual liberty, still believes in, uh, in, in freedoms of religion and speech? Are we going to be a, 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 a society that are run by groups and interests, and we're all defined by our gender and our race, and individual individuality goes away. We're talking with Rick Santorum, and we're talking about Tuesday's election. And, of course, if you need information, you need to go to our website at ohioca.org or our national website, caamerica.org. That's Christian Alliance of America. And we have voter guide information on both websites. Uh, Rick, as we talk about the election again Tuesday, and all things are really tracking that way with these battleground states of Pennsylvania, Florida, Michigan, Wisconsin, Arizona. Uh, but there's there's a lot of caveats here. I mean, on the Democrats normally do well in early voting, and we're seeing that nearly 70 million Americans are already ver- voted early. But we're seeing here in Ohio. Uh, what I would almost term in the last few weeks panic voting because we had a primary that was shut down by the governor and um, postponed, and then it went to an all-male ballot. People said, well, I'm going to get my vote in. I'm not waiting. And so they kind of almost a panic vote. So we saw a lot of rural voters, and these are folks that do support the president. And so I know that for a fact that you know the numbers normally in the past have trended that Democrats voted early, 
And then uh, more traditionally, Republicans voted on Election Day. But now we're seeing it's it's all bets are off as to who these people are that voted early. Your thoughts on that? Yeah, I think certainly a lot of seniors are going to vote early, and they tend to vote more Republican than uh, than, than Democrat. And so I think, and and I think wisely so. I think you know seniors uh, should be protecting themselves more from COVID. They're the ones who are the most vulnerable, and so it, it's it's wise. Uh, in, in, depending on your own health status, uh, particularly if you're if you have one of those comorbidities or very old, to, to vote by mail. And so I think you're seeing more of that. That that it's not just Democrats who are who are doing. It. And Republican, the Republican Party is pushing people uh, to vote early to to make sure that we get as many votes in as we possibly can. You never know what's going to happen on election day. So if you can if you if you uh, if you can vote early and get that vote in, uh, not a bad thing to do. So hopefully. Uh, yeah, I see in Florida, for example, Republicans were started out way, way behind, but have caught up recently and are gaining every day. So uh, I think this uh, this trend of early voting, I think initially is helping the Democrats. So it looks like Republicans are starting to pick up the game and coming back. You know, the debate itself, uh, when, uh, you know, you talk to husband and wives, one would be a Republican, one would be a Democrat. And they were watching the last debate between the president and Joe Biden. The president handedly won that. He also comported himself a little more humanely <laughs> during the debate. <laughs> Not so yeah. much uh, bombastic as his nature is sometimes, because he is a fighter. Uh, but he, he realized he took some credit, you know, he took some counsel and he was more measured in his response but uh, Mr. Biden failed miserably. Even Democrats admit that they they grimaced at his performance at the last debate. How much of an impact do you think that that had? I think it it's it's uh, I would say steadied the ship. Uh, the first debate uh, was not good for the president uh, on two levels. Number one, uh, he was uh, he was way over the top on on his interrupting and and sort of. Uh, uh, bombastic nature. Uh, and, and just as importantly, he didn't let Biden do what he did this time, uh, which is allowing him to talk and let people see that he's not up to the task. I mean, he cut him off so much. He didn't, people didn't get a chance to see that, that he can't, that, that he does, just like you said, on fracking, change his mind and gets confused and, and slurs and does all sorts of things that, uh, that, that show that he's not, uh, you know, he's not on his game. Uh, so I think, Biden did very poorly in the second debate. It's just unfortunate that that first debate wasn't more like the second debate. And uh, but again, I think he steadied the ship. Uh, hopefully, I think he had some momentum going into this debate, uh, and I, I don't think he did anything to, uh, to 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 slow that down. So I think the momentum, at least from everything I see, is clearly on the president's side. He's behind. I don't, you know, you see all the polls uh, head behind. I think he's still behind in the electoral college. And he needs to keep that momentum going this last week. You know, uh, early voting, we've always said buyer beware. You know, it was our mutual friend, Phyllis Schlafly, who said, I don't like early voting. It diminishes the importance of Election Day. It also shortens campaigns. I mean, you know, it's funny. Those of our friends on the left always says, well, we need campaign finance reform. Well, when you shorten the campaign by a full month, candidates that don't have a lot of resources, they use that those 30 days to get out there and meet with voters and and just uh, persuade them on their positions and tell them who they are. And so, uh, you know, that's it's kind of contradictory to say, well, we're for campaign finance reform. We think that everybody uh, ought to be able to run. But yet you cut these ca- uh, these campaigns and candidates off at the knees by early voting. And so what was the number one um a search after the second debate. How do I switch, change my vote? 
Well, it's it's too late. <laughs> yeah. And and uh, 40 million Americans already voted by the time of the second debate. Rick, that does ca- cause me some concern. But I do also believe that, you know, there's enough shift there for the president, uh, you know, because really when you go down the list, when I looked at our voter guide, I've never seen this before. And I mean, nine out of 10 things, he actually accomplished what he said he was going to do. One of the things he wasn't able to do, of course, was to save the coal industry. That was a little bit out of his hand because the market turned upside down internationally and uh, it bottomed out and so uh, that was uh, uh, unfortunate for the coal you know the coal industry and there's a restructuring going on there for sure because the markets just dictated that but other than that I mean he's built the wall he's renegotiated NAFTA uh, he's dealt with uh, China I mean uh, causing our uh, 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 just down the list and then defunding Planned Parenthood uh, and moving the yeah. embassy to Jerusalem I mean the list is endless yeah yeah no I mean three Supreme Court justices and if anybody, I mean, I, I just encourage, I don't know if you've, you've actually played this on your show, but if you played uh, Amy Cooney Barrett's uh, you know, speech at the White House the other night, that is a civics lesson for every American. And I don't know, I, I understand that the left sees the court as, a, as just another way to get their agenda through. They don't really care about these basic freedoms. They don't really care about the Constitution. They care about running and, and controlling everything, and the Constitution is simply an impediment that they will roll over to get what they want. And conservatives, contrary to what, and don't let your liberals say, oh, you conservatives just vote. Your, no, they don't. The conservatives, the conservatives actually believe in the Constitution. They actually believe in the rule of law. They actually believe in, in stability in the law and that policy decisions should be made by the legislatures and the presidents, not by the courts. And that's the fundamental difference. That's why the Supreme Court has been seen as the most trusted branch of government, because it doesn't get into these types of things. And, and that's why her speech, I thought, was so, so beautiful and hopefully uh, will be a, a reason. That, again, I hope Joe Biden doesn't win. I hope the Democrats don't get control of the Senate. But if they do, we're going to be uh, we're going to have a fight on our hands on trying to stop them from packing the court and adding two states Puerto Rico and, and, and the District of Columbia to to pack the Senate and pack the court and do everything they can to uh, to control this country and to eliminate our freedoms. We're talking with Rick Santorum. Rick, I want to talk to you about Amy Coney Barrett's appointment to the U.S. Supreme Court. We have just a couple minutes left. Of course, uh, she's a great choice, uh, and she is a Notre Dame uh, graduate. Uh, You know, she's from Notre Dame, so uh, a little differently in the court's appointment here, but obviously a stellar appointment to the bench and someone who comes with great credentials and did herself justice during the hearings. Your thoughts? She was, like I said, she was unbelievable she's a teacher and and if you watch any any of those hearings watch that speech the other night she is teaching the american public the role of the court and how our democracy how our republic i should say can remain strong and how the rights of individuals and the rights of people who have minority points of views which which our country is founded upon it's easy to protect majority rights it's hard to protect the rights of the minority of people who are not favored by the mob if you will or by the by the masses and that's what our constitution is. That's what makes us unique. And, and you know, she understands that. And, uh, again, the idea that we have someone who's not, who's not from Yale or Harvard, from the, from the great Midwest, 
is another big, big plus to have her on the court. Absolutely. Rick, thanks so much for joining us today. Great stuff. We really appreciate it. We'll have you back. My pleasure. Thank you, my friend. God bless, and your family as well. That was Rick Santorum. Again, uh, he also is a political analyst on CNN, and you might want to tune in, flipping through the dials on election night. You probably will hear uh, Rick uh, commenting about the election. But get out there and vote, and of course, visit the Ohio Christian Alliance website for our voter guide information, ohioca.org. Stay tuned. We'll be back after these messages. Almighty God, our sons, pride of our nation, this day have set upon a mighty endeavor, a struggle to preserve our republic, our religion, and our civilization, and to set free a suffering humanity. And the soldiers who stormed the beaches of Normandy and the Allied liberation of Europe, on D-Day, all those warriors set out on their mission President Franklin Delano Roosevelt led our nation in prayer. The D-Day Prayer Project is an effort to add FDR's D-Day Prayer in its entirety at the World War II Memorial in Washington, D.C. This wonderful historical presidential prayer will be a lasting tribute to our World War II veterans. If you'd like to make a contribution towards the effort of adding this prayer to the memorial, go to the website at ddayprayerproject.org. That's ddayprayerproject.org. This is Albert Butler with another word about the upcoming election. There is so much at stake. We might not be able to vote as conveniently as we voted before, but that just puts on Christian citizens the responsibility to work even harder to make sure that we vote and that our vote counts. Too much is at stake to sit this election out. So whatever it takes, go vote. Will my kids like this dentist? Can I trust this mechanic? Who's a good choice for my upcoming remodel? I found businesses I can trust from TrustBlueReview.com. This company rebuilt our deck and renovated our bathroom. I'd highly recommend them to anyone looking to hire an honest contractor. The best dentist experience I've ever had. It's now easy to find trusted businesses in my community that have the same Christian values as my family. It all starts at TrustBlueReview.com or download their app in the App Store today. The trusted source for all you do. Trust Blue Welcome to News in Focus with your host, Chris Long, president of the Ohio Christian Alliance. Stay tuned for an analysis and conversation about the issues that matter most to you and your family. Here now with this week's edition of News in Focus is Chris Long. And good afternoon and welcome to this edition of News in Focus. We're glad that you've joined us. We're going to be uh, talking about the election. In fact, we're going to have a candidate spotlight uh, this uh, segment with Christina Hagan, who's running for Congress in the 13th Congressional District. Uh, she is a Republican running against uh, Tim Ryan, the Democrat. We're going to be talking about the 13th Congressional District. Also want to let you know there's just 13 days before the November 3rd election. And, of course, if you've received an application for absentee ballot, you want to get that filled out 
and either put in the mail or bring it to the Board of Elections, even better yet. Uh, during business hours, you want to check with your local Board of Elections. Each county has a Board of Elections, and you can find that at our website at Ohio Christian Alliance. Just Google that, Ohio Christian Alliance, or go to ohioca.org, and then just uh, click on down to it says uh, track your ballot and check its status at your county board of elections click on that link and then you can go in to see if your uh, ballot has been mailed to you if you did receive it you want to look at the uh, times of operation of the board of elections and there's a drop off box at the various county boards of elections so if you want to fill that out and then get that back in if you don't want to put it in the mail if you are going to put it in the mail or have to put it in the mail you want to get that in pretty quickly. In fact, we're saying two weeks and two stamps. So that would be uh, if you've received your ballot as quickly as possible. Put two, fill it out, complete it, put it in the mail with two stamps, and get it back. Uh, but better yet, maybe drop it off directly to the board of elections. There has been a high volume of early voting, and we've got numbers from across the state and some of our urban and rural counties, and lots of early voting this year. But again. Most Ohioans will vote on November 3rd, and let's talk about that for a minute. The polling locations will be open. Last week we had on our program uh, Secretary of State Frank LaRose. In fact, we'll be playing that segment again uh, following this uh, interview, and you can hear what the Secretary of State talked about with the polling locations. It'll be fully operational, and uh, there won't be any glitches that way, and they've had a lot of people step forward uh, to work the polls statewide this election. So there will be in-person election voting on November 3rd. That's what my wife and I are going to do. And, uh, of course, what we urge you to do is get out there and vote your values. And please be in prayer about this election. So much is on the line this year. And what we have seen, threats to religious liberty across the country in some liberal Democrat states. So, uh, I'm telling you, folks, uh, there, for people of faith, there's a lot on the line this election, and we want to vote pro-life, and we want to vote for our religious liberty, and we want to get out there and cast our ballot. And so, uh, again, our website, if you want an, a nonpartisan voter guide, it's available at our website at Ohio Christian Alliance, and just Google that, or go to ohioca.org. Well, without any further ado, let's go to our candidate spotlight with Christina Hagen. She, again, is running for Congress in the 13th Congressional District. Uh, she's no stranger to this program, as she served in the Ohio House uh, several terms as state representative, and now she is running for Congress. Christina, welcome to the program. Hi, Chris. I'm so excited to get to spend a little time here with you all. Thanks for having me. Well, thank you for uh, stopping in today, and we have seen that you've been very busy out on the campaign trail. Tell us a little bit why you're running for Congress. Yeah, absolutely. So I am running for Congress because I believe that we need strong, conservative, common-sense leaders in Washington, D.C., and people who are ultimately convictions-based legislators. You know, unfortunately, my opponent, Congressman Tim Ryan, is somebody who was once conservative in nature. He was once pro-life. He was once pro-Second Amendment. He once opposed deficit spending. And he has turned his back on all of those things and more. He's flip-flopped on those positions and issues. And unfortunately, he's in a district where he thought he could get away with that for the rest of his life. But the reality is, conservatives are not sitting back. And so I think as 
you know, everyday people, it's our responsibility as Christians, as servant leaders to step up to challenges, to make sure our voice is heard in Washington, D.C., and just to restore some basic decency and civility to politics while also representing our values. So I'm running as a working class mother. Um, as somebody who's raising three children who wants them to be able to grow up in this country and have all of the freedoms that I've always had and that I cherish. And, you know, we're at a quintessential time in our country where we have to go out and vote because it is a defining moment, whether we'll stay a free country or we'll move toward more and more socialist style ideals. And that is not the country I want my children to grow up in. The 13th congressional district, uh, uh, moves through Mahoning County, uh, parts of Trumbull, uh, Portage County, and Summit County. In fact, in the urban area of Greater Akron, parts of Akron and Barberton and Portage County, parts of Portage County and Mahoning County are in the 13th Congressional District. As you've been out there and talking to folks, and of course these are blue-collar folks, and you come from a blue-collar family, uh, your your family uh, owns a plum, plumbing business. You've worked the trade with uh, the family over the years. Tell us a little bit about uh, talk, getting out there and talking to uh, the voters in the 13th Congressional District. What's it been like? Yeah, absolutely. And I will I'll let you know, you missed one county. So it's a five-county-wide district. It also includes portions of Stark County, which I represented for eight years in the state legislature. Um, so when I'm out talking to voters, it seems to be the same thing across all five counties, and people want to see jobs and opportunities. They want to see the economy turned around. This district has lost an unparalleled rate and compared to every other district in the entire state. So it's clear that what Tim Ryan is doing isn't working. Uh, we've lost serious and substantial jobs and manufacturing and trades-related activities, and you know, whether you're union or non-union, you want the economy to thrive. And they see the reality that President Trump delivered the strongest economy that we have had in the history of my life. Um, and people are ready for that style of leadership to stay in the helm and take the helm in other positions of power. And in fact, this district actually trended Republican while the United States House trended blue. And we lost the House to Democrats this seat recognize that although they've had Democrat leadership for decades, that that is just not working for them. Too many jobs have been lost, and their kids aren't able to stay here and raise a family here. Although we've got an amazing cost of living in Northeast Ohio and the state, they have just not had the opportunity for that same reward that they had in working hard to be passed on to the next generation. And again, you mentioned my family's in the trades. We are all very blessed to be the third generation to have worked and served in the same trades that my grandfather started in our heating and plumbing business. We want those same generational opportunities for every single walk of life in Ohio's 13th Congressional District. President Trump has made a few visits to Ohio. You've had the opportunity to be uh, with the president on some of those visits. Um, he obviously appeals to working-class families. He has spoken that language to them when he ran the first time in 2016 and again this year, uh, emphasizing and showcasing the areas of which he's brought industry back to uh, the American shores. Uh, he renegotiated NAFTA. Um, he has uh, basically uh, had the war, uh, the trade war with China, because he said there was unfair trade practices. 
and a lot of businesses were going overseas to Mexico and to uh, China and elsewhere, but he brought back a lot of American business, giving them incentives to bring their manufacturing uh, base back to the, the American shores. What are people talking about with that? Uh, obviously, that's been an encouragement to blue-collar families uh, throughout the country, especially in the Midwest. Your thoughts? Yeah. Yeah, people are just excited that we have somebody at the helm that's championing the working class person. I mean, people are excited that uh, the president was so strong with USMCA that he has fought China every step of the way. And it's it's unfortunate, really. I mean, Nancy Pelosi, Tim Ryan, they let this trade bill sit on their desk for over a year, delaying good jobs from coming home. So it's it's clear that the Democrats continue to play politics. You know, even the stimulus relief bills are laden with pork and other expenditures that have nothing to do with getting direct payments to Americans and to essential workers and those who are out of work. So it's clear, you know, the party that once was for the American worker has long abandoned them. And the Republican Party has changed their mantra to be focused on the American worker, um, ensuring that we are protectionists of our own industry, of our own opportunities. You know, the coronavirus in itself was a huge, massive eye-opener for all of us that we need to reinstate our medical supply chains back home. We should not be waiting on masks from China, the very country that enabled this virus to spread and permit a global pandemic and crush economies. I mean, we all had an eye-opener, but these were all things that the president predicted may be true. And so I think we've got a wise leader in the sense that the president has put Americans first. He's put our supply chains first. He's advocated for restoring jobs here in the United States. And the only way we can strengthen the entire world is if we strengthen America. And the president has done that. He's delivered. People are not naive to that fact. And, you know, Tim Ryan tries to say, oh, well, the jobs aren't here. Well, Tim's been here for 18 years. And I asked him on the debate stage, you know, Tim, you talk about all this pork that you drag home to the district, but where are the jobs? It's not correlating to jobs. It's only correlating to job loss. So we have to strengthen our local economies. We have to restore our supply chains. We have to invest in our infrastructure. We have to bring our troops home from these endless wars and start nation building at home. And that's when we're going to see our manufacturing base start prospering again in Northeast Ohio. Almighty God, our sons, pride of our nation, this day have set upon a mighty endeavor, a struggle to preserve our republic, our religion, and our civilization, and to set free a suffering humanity. And the soldiers who stormed the beaches of Normandy and the Allied liberation of Europe, on D-Day, all those warriors set out on their mission President Franklin Delano Roosevelt led our nation in prayer. The D-Day Prayer Project is an effort to add FDR's D-Day Prayer in its entirety at the World War II Memorial in Washington, D.C. This wonderful historical presidential prayer will be a lasting tribute to our World War II veterans. If you'd like to make a contribution towards the effort of adding this prayer to the memorial, go to the website at ddayprayerproject.org. That's ddayprayerproject.org. This is Albert Bowler with another word about the upcoming election. There is so much at stake. We might not be able to vote as conveniently as we voted before, but that just puts on Christian citizens the responsibility to work even harder to make sure that we vote and that our vote counts. 
Too much is at stake to sit this election out. So, whatever it takes, go vote. We're talking with Christina Hagan. She's running as a candidate in the 13th Congressional District as a Republican. Her opponent is Democrat Tim Ryan, and they will be on the ballot on November 3rd. And uh, Christina served in the Ohio House as state representative. Christina, when you were in the House, you fought for pro-life causes. You introduced and supported the heartbeat bill. Uh, You have worked to defund Planned Parenthood. Uh, Your pro-life credentials are uh, uh, very uh, evident. Talk to us a little bit about that, what the president has done to defund Planned Parenthood and advance the cause for life on the federal level. Yeah, I was uh, immensely blessed to go to the March for Life and see our president in person. You know, one of the first presidents, at least in my lifetime, to show his face with millions of Americans who are pro-life, to stand for us, to fight for us and with us and beside us for the unborn and for their mothers in harm's way. Um, I was really blessed in the legislature to be a voice for the unborn and a voice for so many women who have suffered the trauma and implications of abortion, whether those were medical or physical or mental or spiritual um, endeavors, women suffer from abortion. And so it's been a blessing to be able to be a voice and an advocate for women in harm's way, for children in harm's way. And it's not it's not just public policy for me, um, although it is good, sound, moral legislation um, that's also scientifically obvious. You know, we have a unique, distinct human being in the womb. We should be advocating for them, protecting them as vulnerable citizenry that just yet have not exited their mother, does not make them not human. Um, But the beautiful thing is I also serve in a nonprofit Christian ministry called ICU Mobile. We are the leading pioneering medical mobile ministry. Um, We go directly into the heart of abortion-minded communities. We meet women right where they are, and we show them their ultrasounds. Um, we give them free pregnancy services, and four out of five women that see their babies on our mobile unit, they choose life. Um, and even more important, we share with them the gospel of Jesus Christ, because we know that lives are only saved uh, through the relationship with Christ eternal. So we have both of those uh, conversions that happen every day in the ministry that I do fund development for. I'm really blessed to be a part of that. And I also work with a group called Connect Our Kids, advising them to help Um, eradicate the issues that we have in our foster and adoption um, systems in the United States. And they are working so hard every single day to place children more effectively, more efficiently with Ken and to reduce trauma um, and to reduce uh, what's happening to our children that are ending up being in foster care or ending up bouncing back and forth from home to home. Um, Obviously, costly to the taxpayer, but more importantly, costly to that individual child. We want them to have safe and sound placement. And so for me, it's more than a logo or a mission statement to be pro-life. I am with my whole heart fighting for these innocent children and their families and their mothers, because I've seen way too much harm come from what abortion does, not only in the destruction and ending of an innocent, vulnerable life um, violently, but also, you know, the repercussions for what a mom deals with for the rest of her life if she's not personally, physically, medically harmed um, by this horrendous practice. Again, we're talking with Christina Hagan. She's running as a candidate in the 13th Congressional District. Uh, Christina, when we talk about um, President Trump, we look at some of his foreign policy successes. Just most recently, the Abraham Accords, where uh, a, um, Muslim countries have been signing a peace agreement with Israel. 
Uh, the president, of course, fulfilled a promise that most presidents make and that he, they would move the embassy uh, to Jerusalem. President Trump did that on the 70th anniversary of uh, Israel becoming a nation. Since then, he has continued to work with the state of Israel, our chief ally in the Middle East, and he has actually uh, signed peace, peace agreements with Israel with some of its neighbors. Unprecedented. What are some of your thoughts about uh, the successes of President Trump on the foreign policy page, and then how do you look to help him going forward if elected to Congress? Absolutely. So, you know, I'll answer the second first. How I look to help the president is to help the American people, to help our counterparts, to help our allies in foreign affairs. I mean, I think about just the amazing, unbelievable success that he's had yet has not been orchestrated or discussed through the media. Obviously, the media um, generally at large has wanted to silence these massive successes. I mean, but the Middle East peace deal alone uh, is not only historic in nature, but it's life-changing for so many people that have faced tyranny uh, for so long, unnecessarily so. Um, it's not only positive, both from a faith perspective and from a peace perspective, but also an economic advantage um, for all people. So I just, I, you know, I would gladly just help to echo and communicate the successes that this president has had. I think everybody knows the president's strong suit is not necessarily communication. I think everybody walked away from the last debate and wondered what exactly happened there. Um, I do think he's a very intelligent, strategic person who always knows the exact plan that he's executing. And he may have executed a plan that maybe did not resonate as well with people that were just sitting at home watching that debate. He did, um, he did however, manage to expose the fact that Biden would alienate his base. Uh, Biden flip-flops on issues on a regular basis. And he brought um, the Hunter Biden corruption to light. Uh, because the president's always fighting a war on many fronts. I mean, even though he's accomplishing every single day of his presidency and bringing home big victories like the Middle East peace deal, you won't hear about any of those things because they would rather talk about the things he says on Twitter or they would rather, you know, inflate some issue that really is not even secondary to the great success we're having. So I would just say, you know, coming alongside the president, knowing that God has given me you know, a gift to communication and allowing me to use that as an advocate for my district, as a fighter for my district, but also a fighter for this country and just our ability to help people be at ease with the reality that we have an excellent commander in chief. We have an excellent president who's not only looking out for America and strengthening America, but he's looking out for our most vulnerable allies and ensuring that Israel and others are protected and have what they need to be successful. President Trump has worked to make uh, America number one uh, oil producer in the world and uh, liberated from dependence on foreign oil. That's happened with fracking and with opening up new drilling areas and uh, basically taking off the regulation. The Green New Deal that liberals in Congress want to pass and that Joe Biden signed on to during the primary uh, he did something unprecedented. I'm glad you brought it up. He actually flipped on the Green New Deal in the de last debate. We've never seen that. I've been doing this for 20 years. I've never seen a candidate flip on a major platform issue in his campaign during a debate. And he said, no, I'm not for the Green Deal. I'm for the Biden deal, whatever that is. And so we had to put him down as an unknown for the Green New Deal. The Green New Deal, of course, uh, would do drastic cuts. It would get away from fracking, which is a big industry in Ohio and Western PA, and, uh, you know, it would get away from uh, basically 
air travel, and I mean, it would be dramatic. In fact, some analysts are saying if Biden-Harris are elected, the Green New Deal has moved forward, we're looking at $6 a gallon of gas. Does, does the folks that you go out on the trail understand what that means as you're running opposed to that, running as a Republican with President Trump as a candidate, Republican candidate for 13th Congressional District? Do people understand what that might mean to their daily lives? Christina. Yes, absolutely. I mean, I've, you know, waited tables for over 15 years, and I remember waiting tables while serving in the legislature, and we were going through that recession, yet we had a glimmer of hope with the oil and gas industry as it was spiking up at the Marcellus and Utica shale development. We are not foolish. We recognize that having boots on the ground means that we have success. And the fact that the Democrats drove out the coal industry, I think, has given Eastern Ohio a glimpse of what they will do unapologetically to the oil and gas industry. And in fact, I almost fell out of my chair laughing when I watched an interview of my opponent the other day because he was pretending to be cozy and supportive to the oil and gas industry. I mean, these are the same people that tried to put a moratorium on hydraulic fracturing without knowing anything about the industry, the processes by which they extract the gas, how safe it is, what the well pad looks like. These are the same people that shut down industry just for the sake of being in control. They love regulations. They love being in control. And they're not happy unless the employment level, unemployment level is high because that means people are relying on the government, which makes Democrats king when people are relying on the government. So I don't trust them as far as I can throw them. I mean, it's simple to see that both Biden, Harris, and my opponent, Tim Ryan, flip on nearly every issue of conviction. And hydraulic fracturing is just the most recent of those issues that they've not only been wish-washing on, but they are flipping. So you can't trust them. You can't trust them because their track record says otherwise. They're going to fight for, they're going to advocate for these coastal elite ideas that only work in a utopian society. They do not understand the implications. Actually, they, they do understand the implications. Without a strong oil and gas-based economy in Northeast Ohio, we can't have the strong offspring of manufacturing. We can't have the strong you know, natural gas supply chain, the polymers that come along with that, the cracker plants. And at the end of the day, Economic success is the enemy of their platform for staying in office. So I, I just caution people, you know, look back in history, look at their previous votes, look at their previous words, and vote for people who are consistent in what they say and what they believe, because those are the people that you can trust to lead and fight and advocate for jobs and energy independence. Northeast Ohio has a real opportunity. Like you said, the president has delivered an energy independent America. That was something that we can only dream of eight or 10 years ago. In fact, I remember protesting. Um, it was then Congressman John Pacheri who was doing something where he was saying, I have sympathy at the gas pump. And he was coming to do some political photo op at a gas pump. And I went there and I said, John, you have, you have sympathy. Then stop trying to fight energy independence for America. Let America thrive. You know, stop, stop supporting those who are overseas who wish us ill will and instead let American people do well here on the ground. And at the end of the day, their records expose who they are and our records expose who we are. And we just pray that people will vote for opportunities for prosperity, for economic and energy independence and success of this country and of our people. And that is with the Republican Party without question. We're talking with Christina Hagen. Christina, thank you for being my guest today. Give the website so people can follow you on your website. 
Yes, yeah, absolutely. Follow us on our website um, at hagan2020.com. That's H-A-G-A-N 2020.com. Or if you're on Twitter, you can follow me at Rep Hagan, R-E-P-H-A-G-A-N, or you can find me on Facebook or Instagram. I appreciate you guys. Thank you. Thank, thank you, Christine. Again, Christina Hagan running for the uh, Congress in the 13th Congressional District. If you missed any of today's program, you can find it in its entirety on our website at ohioca.org. Also, you can find the Ohio Christian Alliance Voter Guide. You want to go there as well, and we want to encourage you to get out and vote. Again, uh, the website is Ohio Christian Alliance, ohioca.org. Thanks for listening. You have been listening to News in Focus with your host, Chris Long, president of the Ohio Christian Alliance. To learn more about the issues that matter most to you and your family, visit online at ohioca.org. That's ohioca.org. Thank you for listening. This program is sponsored by the Ohio Christian Alliance of Akron, Ohio.